The Protect Your Neck Podcast, UFC on ABC One Breakdown, picks, plays, and whatever else comes our way. Let's go to work. Hot air hangs like a dead man from a white oak tree. People sitting on porches thinking how things used to be. Dark night. It's a dark night. What is up, my friends? This is the Protect Your Neck Podcast, and I'm your host, Dan Tom. Analyst is work you'd find over at MMA Junkie as well as LineMovement.com. And on this year's program, the Protect Your Neck Podcast, we break down high-level MMA. That's what we're going to do here today, tonight, whenever you're listening to this. Hopefully, it's before the fight. I am recording this on Thursday night, uh, early evening, West Coast uh, Pacific time, to be specific. But the fights will be going down. That's right. Hashtag UFC Fight Island 7 over in Abu Dhabi on Yaz Island. It'll be an early show, which will mean uh, the basic math is if it's early for us here or earlier for us here in the United States, that means um, they're fighting more toward the evening normal times rather than those super late or super early times that, uh, you know, you've seen in past um, Abu Dhabi shows or, you know, uh, other overseas shows like Australia. Um you know, at least according to us Americans overseas, right? That's local for you guys. Uh, but you get what I'm saying. It can be a bit of a jumble, so not too much uh, intangibles I'm not going to weigh into. I actually researched some trends as we head into Fight Island. By the way, you can skip ahead to the breakdown, uh, which is always timestamp, whether you're listening on YouTube. Thank you, Daniel Tom MMA, if you want to help the count there. Like the video if you're already listening to the audio version there, as well as Apple Podcasts. Coming to the other platforms, but yes, Apple Podcasts, for more iTunes. You can still give the ratings and reviews. That helps, and of course, in the show notes of all sections and all platforms, as well as the smart phone friendly players at mixedmarshallanalyst.com show notes will always timestamp these breakdown shows as per usual you guys know the drill when it starts and if you want to listen to even less of me which i don't blame you you can always skip to the very end where i recap my picks and plays for these breakdown shows but yeah as we head to you know usc uh, fight island 7 usc on abc1 by the way you know that's pretty cool you know we'll see if they have any uh pa- what kind of packages what kind of promos and production i'm sure you know, how much of the ABC is going to do it, or you, they're going to allow UFC input, how 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 foreign will it look, you know, little random interesting things, cool. Uh, but yeah, looking at trends ahead, um, there wasn't really too many to be made that I, I could really see, to be honest, uh, except for, again, when fights are at a weird time. Uh, and they're having a fight early, you know, maybe those early prelim fights, maybe you look more toward the overs, bigger cage, etc. Um, but aside those really basic things like cage size and time of the fight, um, hopefully knock on wood, COVID will be much more under control as they had a better track record despite the sad state of things, especially in my country. Um, hopefully uh, we won't have as many fallouts though, right? Okay. So yeah, that'll be hopefully good. Um, by the way, apologies I didn't have an episode last weekend. I, I tried to get uh, tackle down some guests for a top five. It's just hard to book. Um, which is understandable. Like everyone, including myself, has a lot going on. Uh, so, w- with a bunch of stuff coming up for me, which I will save you, don't worry. Well, I'm not going to do much of a recap here, but like, yeah, like uh, it just ended up, let's just say, ended up being better. Plus, you know, again, what's kind of been going on in my country, don't worry. 
Don't turn this into a political show. I, uh, <laughs> I barely have enough listeners as it is. And like, even when you you know retweet stuff like "Happy Korean American Day," like you immediately lose three to five followers. Now, like anything race related, which I care less about the politics. I just you know I like to you know give big ups to everybody as much as I <laughs> make, make big jokes toward everybody on this show. As hypocritical as I am, I try to you know try to show love. But uh, even with the best intentions, it's a volatile time. So um, let's just try to keep it to the fights, shall we? As I kind of say that to me, obviously, it's more of a note for myself. Because let's be honest, uh, not so much for you guys, but for myself, for us all, let's be honest. We could all use a, a break from the madness. This is not the place to dissect that. We don't even really talk MMA news. Why the heck am I going to talk other news? Not that I'm against it when it comes up, when it's apropos. You know, Dan Tom will take random tangents down uh, le- hard left turns down alleys. Oh boy. Um, but let's not do that on purpose. So, uh, But yeah, I just wanted to say, so that's why there was really... You know, it just, on all fronts, it was probably better there wasn't an episode. And that being said, not just overall, uh, has this show, uh, as we're on episode, what are we now, 239? Um, I've given you over more than one a week since we started uh, this show. Uh, a few, uh, you know, uh, what was it, like 2016 Christmas Eve or whatever. Um, and then even just going back to this year, this low sample size i'm actually still on pace because i gave you guys one extra show with the recap show plus the top fives during the holiday time when most podcasts were off so hopefully y'all forgive me hopefully y'all enjoy the top five shows and again uh rather than um complaining about the uh lack thereof as far as youtube subs followers and all that stuff i know i whiff big on my goals for 10k on twitter and 1k on youtube nowhere near on either but you know what i'm damn grateful darn grateful however you (laughs) whatever is less offensive to you uh for all of you because you know i really don't deserve the listeners and uh, listenership and following that i do have let's be honest here right so um to thank you guys whether you listen whether you listen and uh, support listen subscribe support leave those five star ratings and reviews you know uh or you're sharing giving some love on the socials uh, telling a friend, you know, just the, the old word of mouth and, and or, you know, clicking on the links, which we're going to get to before I move on to the breakdowns to, uh, you know, support this free show in free ways like going to MixedMarshallAnalyst.com, which is one of the hosts of the show and home to a lot of my work, past episodes, past breakdowns, etc. and so forth. And of course, on the right hand side, I've got Amazon, iTunes um, and uh, even a little uh, PayPal link there. Uh, if you really just actually do want to just throw some money these shows away. It's been being used, by the way, folks. Um, I'm recently investing into some stuff. Uh, I had some generous donations, actually, recently um, that I'm, I've used some of, but I'm going to be investing more. Thank you. You all know who you are in that department. It's really appreciated. So this stuff does get used, folks. Um, uh, again, thank you. So all levels of support. It's really appreciated because even though I've, you know, being self-deprecating Dan here, feeling like I don't deserve things. The truth is, every time I post my content, no matter what it is, there's a solid group of you from colleagues uh, to most of them are from other sites, which is even more nice, right? Uh, to just random listeners and everybody in between. And um, man, it's it's really appreciated. You know, you look at because you, you is I'm all surprised that you know a who both. Uh, who doesn't shoot? Who both doesn't share? By the way, that's always a not so pleasant surprise. But I'm always pleasantly surprised by 
those who do. Um, so that's what I would rather focus on and give my love and appreciation to. And that's why I will continue to work hard and improve. Thank you guys for that. Um, shouts to the fight site, by the way, as well. They recently went on. Uh, they invited me back on their panel. Hopefully I didn't uh, jinx it. We'll talk about that because we'll be starting with the main event from top to bottom. That's what we talked about there. That's what we'll start to talk about here. And I say jinx because I think I'm like 0-2, um, even though I, I finished last year very strong. Uh, hopefully you guys did too. Um, got to uh, tell you, cashing out some of those accounts saved my ass, I'll tell you that much. So hopefully you all did, did well. Um, we're able to cash out some of your accounts if that's what – I know a lot of you have that trend as well where, where we, we tend to – kind of waiting to the end of the year that's when a lot of contests cash out as well right if you're a part of any of those um shouts to the gamble masters and the tout masters by the way you can find it at the uh, I believe the mma analysis guys were sharing those links if you're into those games um but yeah shout out to the fad site for having me on their show uh, this week gonna be doing some other podcasts i just wanted to give them a quick shout and we'll get these amazon reads and onto the breakdown um of course, Amazon reads. I don't do on it reads, but there's on it and Amazon links. Uh, I like on it. Their stuff, the the hemp protein, or they don't really have it, but I use their plant based protein now. Um, got some kettlebells uh, when those were back in stock. I think they are. A lot of them are back in stock. Um, right meow. Uh, so uh, yeah. All right. So we're gonna just do some read throughs for people that have clicked through. Um, Someone he got was this Marcy's classic toothpaste. It looks like a classic. Listen, it looks like like toothpaste from the twenties. Um, all right. Uh, somebody got a Grocco Four Evel DLX baby car seat. Grocco. Oh yeah, that's right. Those those are the kid brands. Wow, that one, those aren't cheap. Thank you for who bought that. Those things still aren't cheap, are they? Um, wow, car seat. You can get some some cool designs in there. I would. You know, of course, me, I would try to have something very inappropriate, like, uh, you know, probably, like, do some, because um, I'm such a contrarian. I haven't, I still haven't watched Mandalorian 2, and I heard it actually is better than the first one, but, you know, old contrarian Dan Tom is, like, uh, I'm just tired of seeing whether it's westerns that I grew up on or samurai films um, just being culturally appropriated by fucking Star Wars and popular media, and then you got fucking... <laughs> I was going to say joke and say anti-mascarana. Like, true story. <laughs> I uh, I got... I <laughs> Dan Tom may or may not have been on a dating site and may or may not have... Uh, months ago, by the way. <laughs> and may or may not have... Uh, <laughs> got a very bad reaction when um, I, I told someone that I, I, I was not into uh, The Mandalorian. And when they asked why, I said... Um, I said, uh, I, I said, because I, I think I think Baby Yoda is turning into an anti. This person was very like super liberal sensibilities in their profiles. I was like, I don't know. I heard that Yoda, that Baby Yoda is anti-mask, been hanging around Corano too much, and <laughs> did not appreciate that joke. <laughs> uh, I don't know where I'm going with that, but like I would do a. Um, Oh, uh, a Shogun Assassin, of course, I'm a big Shogun Assassin fan. So that was my, I kind of went into, you know, my negative contrarian mind. So I don't, I don't know if I could appreciate the Mandalorian. I do like some Bill Burr, Billy Billy Burr, so if you can't tell from this podcast. Um, so you guys tell me if I'm wrong. I'm, I'm sure I'm wrong. I'm sure, Dan, this is, stop being a contrarian ass, watch it. Feel free to tell me that. 
uh, let me know. Somebody else bought um, bags on board dog poop bags. Long Street leak proof. Yeah, I need to probably get some of those too. Um, somebody got some Parm Chris original. That sounds a keto snack. Uh, that sounds familiar. I think it's a, a regular person who's using that link. Thank you as well. I recognize. I'm starting to recognize some of these these uh, uh, these, these uh, purchases. Expendables three, Blu-ray uh, HD DVD there. Um, Blu-ray DVD, sorry. Um, is that the one with um, Ronda Rousey? Speaking of female MMA. Um, it's the one. I just don't know. This <laughs> is that what Stallone sounds like now? Do they need sub? Do they need to subtitle him? Has he just had like, like too many liver dialysis that he's just like everything got a little blurry after my sexual escapade with Mickey? I don't know. Anyways, uh, Viking season one. DVD set. Um, I have. Is that Viking show any good? I feel like I keep hearing about it. Let me know. Uh, more keto snacks. I think this is the same culprit there. Lenny and Larry's keto cookie peanut butter soft bake. Eight grams of plant-based protein. Um, young ever plastic plates. All right. Karate Kid Part 2. Speaking of popular things, I still haven't watched the Karate Kid uh, series, folks. I know they're on, like, season two or three. Now there's, like, all these teenage characters. I don't know. I'm such an old man. Um, maybe you're getting nostalgic watching it want to catch up. That's why you bought Karate Kid Part Part 2 is crazy. The, um, <laughs> the, the guys I do jujitsu jitsu with, uh, <laughs> I went over uh, the place, like, last year. And they, uh, of course, I was late, and then they were all watching like Karate Kid Part Two and just laughing. Sato, Sato, it's just such a stereotypical <laughs> character. Oh, that's Sato, man! I tell you, um, Brickle Men's Texturizing Sea Salt Spray for Men. I'm not gonna hate. I'm spotting some grays in my. I'm getting some salt and pepper on the sides of my hair if that's what that's for. Um, Spike Ball. That's a, apparently a game set. This looks like a. I clicked on this link. It's a little trampoline. Spike Cadillable. Hope it's not anti-Semitic. Oh, jeez. Ten-inch LED light ring uh, with a tripod. I gotta get one of these. Whoever bought this, um, let me know how you like it, because I, I I really gotta check that out. And that wraps it up. All right. Thank you guys for clicking on the links at mixedmarshallanalyst.com. Let me jot down the time, and we will start the breakdown. Like 15 minutes there. UFC on Fight Island 7. UFC on ABC 1. And I think that's the only names because they're not considering this a fight night. Although the uh, prelims, I believe, will be on ESPN Plus for whatever that is worth. All right. Headline by Max Holloway is your favorite. Minus 150. Comeback on Calvin Cada. Plus 130. Um, tough fight to pick. Both. On paper, both intangibles and both because I like both teams. Obviously, gave co-coach of the year there to Tyson Chardier and the New England Cartel, who quietly had a strong year in their small team, granted, but still a strong year nonetheless. Uh, got some momentum on their side. Calvin Cater is locked in. Um, more veteran-like than his career leads on. Tricky sample size, ready to break through, whereas Holloway is really trying to uh, hold the door, uh, you know, to stop the skid of a you know, two fight streak. Granted, you know, obviously to the same guy, top level championship fights, but you know how it goes. Um, 
I agree with the line as far as it being close and, and, and Holloway being favored. I am picking Holloway by decision here. However, I do not blame anybody who uh, is picking or, or uh, taking a shot on Cater with the plus money, not just because of the, la- you know, I won't call it lazy analysis because I'm not shitting on it or throwing shade. I use it myself. I'm just kind of calling it what it is slash can be, right, if you're not careful. Um, but I don't want to go by the oh, plus number value. Uh, but, no, this in this case, it, 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 I believe that there is some truth there because the intangibles will click in Cater's corner. Uh, he has the power edge. Uh, Holloway, whether how much you believe or subscribe to it or not, um, there is some worry as far as his chin output confidence focuses from you know behind the scenes to front lines, however you want to look, speculate, throw your tinfoil hats on. I'm not trying to further that. Hope I didn't do that too much, uh, although I gave some little tidbits on this week's Line Movement MMA betting show. Check that out. Great discussion on this matchup there on their YouTube channel. Just kicking ass as well as uh, the fight sites. Go subscribe to both. Great conversations on the main event. Uh, as well as if you like the written form, of course, you know it, baby. The, my breakdown format, as always, tried and true. Every week at MMAJunkie.com, which feels like literally every week um, with the UFC schedule. So you can always peep the quick stats and facts uh, over there. And, of course, I do video breakdowns over there as well. Shouts to Abby. But, yeah, um, I don't blame anybody for taking the cater side. I feel bad. I feel like I should be picking them, you know. But then it really looks like just bias upon bias. Maybe I'm doing a little bit of that overcorrecting the steering wheel. However, there are some things that I do see. Um, uppercuts, both guys can be hit with, which is funny because they're tall uh, featherweights, tall uh, in comparison to their contemporaries most of the time. Uh, although they're both listed at 5'11". Max looks like it's like the 5'11 from when he got in the UFC, and he probably grew to six foot, maybe even closer to this, you know, six foot, you know, edging to six one. whereas Cater... He's not short by any means, but, you know, maybe he's more of, like, a, to the 5'10 side of 5'11. At least that's what it looked like. When, and I'm sure Max was wearing tall sneakers, as he always does, so you got to factor that in. But in the face-off, they didn't look the same height. Um, so we'll see. People always focus on Max Holloway's length and reach. Like, that's a thing. Like, y'all should have known that by now it's, he fights longer than a 69-inch reach leads on. Um, it's his torso length, his leg length, his style of fighting, his movement, etc., um, that accentuates a lot of the length there. And, um, and yeah, a cater, uh, where is that? Sorry. Um, uh, what was I going with that? Uh, yeah, cater definitely is the power. And then the other intangible is where I was going. Um, it's also adjustments. I give cater and his team more credit than most, um, it, it would seem. But I do think that they, um, I, I do think that they, uh, have a lot of tape to work with, right? That's the thing when you've been fighting so long, you eventually, you know, start having uh, all these breadcrumbs, proverbially, you know, that you can follow Hansel and Gretel home with. Um, that does tend to happen. Uh, however, Max obviously uses breadcrumbs in real time well, because he is a building fighter, uh, as in he builds off of offense coming his way. And we've seen that accentuated more in understanding his game more, unfortunately for Max, um, in the negative, because people have been figuring out that if you can deny the builder building supplies, he's kind of stuck on the job site, and you can deal with him a bit easier, right? Uh, so, uh, or as Reeds, as my man Paul Reed said from the Southpaw podcast, give them a follow and shout too. He was on the panel. Much respect to uh, him and Sam. Uh, just good dudes. Uh, and, um, you know, speaking of Asian Strong Media panel, which, you know, 
when do you ever say that? That just sounds like an odd Asian strong panel does not set. You know, we don't exactly have representation, but we had a like a four Asian strong panel. It was pretty crazy. I didn't even realize it. But yeah, shout out to those guys over at South Pole Pod. Um, as I got myself off track there. Um, but yeah, you know, so there's going to be some intangible factors. Again, back to the value statement as far as cater goes. But um, I, I'm still going to go with Max here. Not so much that he's more proven in the five round fights and or you could say that it was a it's a jump up in skill level uh for cater which it is in a lot of ways um especially if you're you know um you don't uh, i don't want to say i'm a big fan as a beat so i don't want to like shit on him but like especially if you you're you're more down to earth on that perspective let's just say that fight um but yeah there's just certain things that i like like uh the kicking of, of of both guys' games need to be noted. I didn't think I got to note too much of that in Cater, but Cater has improved. Now he got criticized a lot in that Moicano fight. Um, but back to the uppercut note, like I feel like um, Max in his last couple of fights has been going back. Now that might have been the stature of Okanovski in style, but he's been going back to more of classic uh, returns of slip uppercut hook. And I think that's going to have a lot of play on Cater. And then when I went back to watch the Cater-Ige fight, um, Ige hit a couple different variations of that. Um, and those were some of his best moments. I also will be looking to see if Max goes southpaw. I'm very careful because Max is one of the guys who I've, I thought in certain matchups he was going to go southpaw, like Aldo, and he didn't and still got it done. Um, and I was still correct as far as the ultimate uh, core reasoning on why I picked him against Aldo both times was the pacing. Um, in the pockets, and you know, Aldo takes pockets off to recover, even though he stays on his game. It's more of a cardio. Calvin doesn't have cardio issues. He doesn't have mental weak issues. Um, he's a durable cat, even though his nose gets clipped like literally almost every fight, and I expect it to get clipped in this fight, probably by one of those uppercuts that I'm pointing out here. Um, but he's never off put by that. However, he is kind of thrown off of his game. Um, as uh, Shuram uh, from the fight site kind of pointed out and agreed with me, where um, even though he, I, I believe Shuram's actually taking Cater, as but we I think that was a point that we we both kind of agreed and highlighted on, which was like, yeah, you know, Cater he kind of looks to get off of his game both in victories and defeats, fights that go shorter, fights that go longer. Um, there are those pockets in that sense, and against a building fighter, in theory, those things could be very crucial. Um, and the southpaw note, uh, even though, I want, like I said, I want to be careful on that because, like, you know, Stephen Thompson, I, I thought, again, with Woodley, and he didn't do it. He just stared at him from orthodox. Um, but if you look at Calvin Cater, he hasn't fought any high-level southpaws, but all the fighters back from Feely in his UFC debut to Zabit, uh, whenever they switch to southpaw, um, Ige as well, Ige hit him with the uh, old Burrell and clipped him, and that's what kind of busted his nose, I believe. Um, he shifted to southpaw. Uh, not, they're having their best moments and largely winning most of the exchanges with Cater, uh, even if they end up losing the fight, uh, but winning most of the exchanges that are fought from southpaw. Um, so, in other words, I, I have a sneaky suspicion that uh, Cater does not do well with southpaws. So, Ivan Flores, Ryan Lazares, all those guys are really smart coaches. Uh, Max, of course, when he applies himself, it's an underrated smart mind for a fighter as well. And that comes from many people, by the way. 
So I got to imagine they see that. That'll be something to look for. Um, I don't think it'll be to take away the jab so much as I think I stated on that uh, Fight Site podcast, which I don't necessarily believe. I think I just state that out of habit. Um, there's a couple of things. I'll listen back to myself. I'm like, why did I say that? That isn't what I meant. Um, and uh, I'm sure I'll be called, <laughs> called out for those things. But I remember that was one of them. Where I'm listening. I'm like, what the heck did I say that for? I don't believe that. Why did you say that, Dan? Uh, but that's something I imagine that when you podcast enough, you just say things. <laughs> Hopefully not like, you know, Brendan Shop style things. But, you know, you say things. Um but yeah, uh, let's see, Holloway, Volk, jab in round three, overload off of leg threats. Yeah, that was another thing. I was looking at like how Max does against straight shots because most of Calvin's shots are roughly straight shots. He will kind of curve once he finds the range off of his jab and finds the range off his, off, finds the range on his two from it. He will kind of curve it around the guard depending on how you're playing it. But really, he throws a lot of straight shots. And that was the thing is Max does really well with straight shots, hence the slip uppercut hook returns that I think we'll have play. Um, and not enough circular shots, like checking hooks like Poirier had. I think those things work pretty well. Hooks uh, on, on Holloway and can keep them in check. Um, and I, I just don't see enough of those from Cater as far as counters. He does more checking jabs, you know, uh, which I love, and I hope he does more of here. Um, and he has a nice pull counter, although he's not the most consistent or most active with it, um, especially if you consider for how much sometimes like you'll hear corners call for it. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be a really interesting fight. We're spending a lot of time talking on it, granted. It's because it's it's the most interesting fight on the card, clearly. Um, go a lot of ways. I think we're all in kind of agreeing it's going to go long. I think it's going to go decision. If you want to take any of those angles, I don't blame you, but... A lot of people, especially for the main card fights, seem to be pouring on the over angles, which even my contrarian butt did admittedly take a peek at and got sworn off, uh, got kind of swayed off of in some spots. I'll let you know what totals I played and what I coupled them with as we get to them here. Um, but yeah, I got Max Holloway here. I didn't play anything. I probably won't be playing anything on this, to be honest. Um, I'll be happy to be wrong, of course, as I'm a fan of the New England cartel and Cater and all those guys. So good luck um, if you're a Cater supporter in this spot. But I'm, I'm, I'm picking Holloway by decision. Uh, we'll see if he makes it look like a value spot in hindsight like he did with Ortega. Uh, next fight, co-main event, grumpy old men, Matt. Brown plus 145, Carlos Condit minus 165. I, I say that not just because I'm making like an old joke or a low-hanging fruit joke. You know, I love the old guys. I'm, you know, even though y'all comment on my young face, which I appreciate, I'm going to, I'm, I'm getting toward more toward the older and feeling older than I am. Uh, so I'm not hating, but yeah, these guys, uh, you know, you, you, you're both the way Matt Brown, by the way, looking every bit of 40. Oh boy. He lived a tough life, though, Matt Brown. You know what I'm saying? I mean, the dude was, like, you know, overdosing on heroin and, like, avoiding, you know, getting shot at Dimebag Daryl concerts, like, pre-MMA career. <laughs> Jesus, damn, wow, what a reference. Uh, stirring tribute. <laughs> Jesus, damage plan. Uh, and, uh, oh, man. <laughs> Bass Flares is, like, his huge metalhead guy. And he was, like, the biggest, like, Pan and I love Pantera, too, by the way. I get Cowboys from Hell is one of you know, my favorite albums. Uh, metal-wise, at least, and definitely from them. But, like, I remember this. He was so, like, bummed out, of course. It was, like, only a couple days after. And my buddy Ward just goes down, just, just to piss him off, goes, oh, man, sorry I heard about what happened to Dimebag Carl. 
<laughs> but he trying to just flip that. What the fuck you just call him? America. Uh, but yeah, that was uh, <laughs> uh, good times. Uh, I love me some Pantera. Uh, so I appreciate me some Matt Brown. Although uh, I'm going to go with Carlos Condit here. I'm a fan of both guys. Um, you know, I don't want to be swayed by Instagrams, but there's a definite, a different attitude on each man's Instagram. I'll just leave it at that. And Carlos Condit, you know, his is a headliner of uh, his. It's headline. It's with the. Uh, you shall ride a turtle, shiny and chrome. See, that would be the car seat I would get for my kid, you know. I would try to get, like, an Immortal Joe car seat. <laughs> Mediocre! <laughs> Jesus Christ. Too much Mad Max I've been watching. Um, but, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm uh, you know, no, no. But that aside, no. I, on his Instagram, like, you go look at it, and Carlos kind of looks in great shape. He's making his rounds over the BMF, Jackson Link. I know... Those aren't the most consistent cams with the best track records, but obviously it's where it's been his home. He's an OG. He's not going to change that. Um, it's more about him, and you know he he just looks in better shape. Um, even though I was fading him, he seemed shot, sounded shot, dabbling with retirement. That's always worrisome. Uh, the body don't lie, work don't lie, and he's putting in that work. And I know Court McGee. You know, I don't I want anybody to get too overexcited about that, myself included, because McGee was didn't even look his same as far as output, takedown attempts, all these things, right? That being said, I do believe it was the perfect fight for content to get his confidence back and listening to the interviews. Again, back, back to gauging both these guys, right? Hashtag grumpy old men, but like Carlos Conant was just like, I'm going to fuck him up. Like, I haven't heard Carlos Condit like this since he was kicking in the doors of the Hard Rock, you know, uh, to come in for the WEC while Rage Against the Machine was playing. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go with that. Uh, Carlos Condit, he's got the big cage to move around in. I think that's going to keep him from getting corralled by Brown. Um, it might. It's probably going to be a lot uglier than we like, uh, but if it's ugly, it's good for Matt Brown. Um, so we'll see. I don't blame anybody taking a shot on the Immortal, but I'm going to go with Carlos Condit. I'm definitely staying away from this on my avoid just to watch this one, man, as, as, as a fan. Um, all right, next we got Santiago Ponzanibio, minus 290. Li Jing Liang, plus 245. I don't know why I always got to say uh, Santiago Ponzanibio, uh, like Danny Trejo introducing uh, Selma Hayek in From Dust Till Dawn. Yeah, I know. Crazy. I'm referencing that on this podcast. I'm only intro to the music from Dust Till Dawn, but uh, yeah, I love that movie. Quiet! Quiet, you dog! Bow your head! <laughs> so great! <laughs> Bow your head! Little <laughs> fucking Danny Trejo! Oh, Jesus! Oh, so good. Uh, Alright, Dan, get on with it. Oh, by the way, Genshi Boa, Gentle Snake, which totally sound like a date rapist nickname, not a fighter nickname. Like, <laughs> Gentle Snake, it means a nice guy. <laughs> Genshi Boa! Uh, Jesus, Dan, only to you, because you're a pervert. Uh, no, <laughs> but, like, now it's like, uh, what's his name? It's the, it's the Peruvian, or it's the, it's the Argentine dagger. Like, like, Ponzinibbio, is that your, is that your fighter nickname? Or did you, did he mispronounce in the translation? They thought they asked for his nickname in high school. That sounds like, <laughs> it sounds like it was his nickname in high school. <laughs> or at least for the ladies. The Argentine dagger. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, of course. You leave it to me to uh, circle the drain down to dicks. Okay, Dan, break down the fight. Is he going to break down fights? I swear he breaks down fights. All right, sorry, folks. I'm I'm a bit rusty. Rusty, you do that anyways. All right, stop calling me out. Let's get to the fight. Um, Ponzinibbio should win this. Like, the line should be minus 290, but not with the layoff on... And the uh, X factors, right? Uh, you know, he had this disease that kind of ate away his muscles. He thought about dropping a 155. Had to build his body back up. Got booked. Got COVID, which is probably, I don't, don't want to say a good thing. Because if he's a long hauler, right? So there's that tangible too. Um, but I was going to say, maybe it's a good thing that, like, he got more of an extension to build his muscle back up. Um, more of a camp. You know, he looks and sounds confident in interviews and, uh, you know, the socials. But... You know, you can only you can only tell so much. Um, let me pull that up again on this. Santiago Bones Nivio. There we go. Um, yeah, it's tough to tough to tell. Uh, let's see here. Oh yeah, no, he's looking back to normal. Uh, so yeah, I guess I could see why. Um. He throws really nasty kicks, so does uh, Lee. Um, but, uh, you know, so that'll be worth looking out for if one guy can stammer the other. But outside of that, Ponzinibbio should roll with this. This could be uh, Li Jingliang's uh, first knockout loss because he gets dropped like every fight but still hasn't been stopped. Uh, Ponzinibbio is a swarmer. And I think he could swarm and hurt enough in three rounds. Um, if he starts getting his groove on, the big cage will definitely help Ponzinibbio. Um... Both guys have uh, black belts in jiu-jitsu and get after it in scrambles, so I don't expect, should it end up on the ground, it won't be there for very long. Um, I don't know. Unless you want to look at like inside the distance for Ponzinibbio, if you want to sprinkle or if he looks good on weigh-ins, uh, you add him to your, your, your parlays for fun. Again, because parlaying is a madman sport, although I'm, I'm going to be doing that here. Um, then you can do that. But uh, other than that, that's about all the options it really gives you. Unless you, you really believe in Lee, of course. Um, which, you know, I love me. Uh, uh, but, uh, you know, and you get PNEDR on the Chinese discount here. But you know, I'm not supporting my Chinese brethren today. Today. Not today. Sorry. Um, so, yeah, I'll take Ponzanibio. Argentine dagger to... All right, Dan, let's stay away from the penis. I'll take Ponzinibbio. Let's leave. <laughs> Next fight, Joaquin Buckley. His price is coming down a bit, minus 260, um, which is good because you start getting 3-1. to one. It's like, what the heck are we doing here? Uh, plus 220 for Alessio DiCirico. That being said, I'm actually taking Buckley here. I know I, uh, I wrote him off uh, a bit. Uh, too hard uh, for sure uh, in that Ipokasagane fight didn't I pay for it didn't Impa pay for it right um, but uh, you know the confidence did the kid some good um, whatever his training situation is now uh, seems to be happy um, and when I went back to watch tape for this fight not so much that it's clear what the UFC is trying to do and, which you always got to be careful on because MMA cares not for you or the UFC's plans. But DeChirico, a guy who I was probably higher on than most in his first couple of fights, has not really panned out. He fights way too close um, and not in a good way. Uh, he's 0-2 against Southpaws uh, in the UFC. And in those matchups, he's even more apt to counter, which means he's even more lower volume 
which is his problem because even when he does well and he doesn't capitalize, um, he drops the ball. He shoots himself in his own foot so many times. Um, his gas tank isn't terrible because he's an athlete, but he's not going to take advantage of a guy gassing. Um, and it's not like he's got elite cardio where he's going to gas the guy out or elite output where he's going to gas the guy out. Um, so I don't have to worry about that too much with Buckley, which seems to be less of a problem now that he's at middleweight, cutting less weight. Um, and yeah, man, uh, DeCherico just, you know, he will go for opportunistic takedowns, but not enough. And the big cage, I certainly think is going to help Buckley there. Uh, and I think we're just going to get a striking match. Um, I would not be surprised to see Buckley become perhaps the first person to finish the Chirico. Like, he seems durable, but then, you know, and not that Zach Cummings doesn't hit, hit soft, by the way, but, like, you saw Zach Cummings, right? Um, you know, rock him really bad at the end of their fight there, and you stop and look at it, and you're like, yeah, this guy really hasn't fought any big hitters except for Ali Wally Bongboze, who was, like, fighting one of the worst, you know, he got flushed out quick and fought one of the worst fights even within his level and his tenure, right? Where he was literally, like, jumping into the knees to give DiCirico the one finish he has as far as his UFC record goes. So I don't think he's really going to finish Buckley or put together that kind of consistent work and all the other things that Kevin Holland had to do to get that finish, you know, kind of like Kevin Holland said. He's like, I bless my son. Look at what my son is doing. And, uh... You know, I'm going to support Kevin Holland's son, Joaquin Buckley, here. I've got him in a couple parlays for, uh, not for, well, I guess for, I would say for fun because I don't, but as far as, like, if you look at what I'm totally betting here, then, yeah, I mean, it's kind of my core chalk, so. Um, yeah, it's it's not sexy, folks. I'm taking, I'm taking a lot of chalk this week looking ahead, too, so do not be surprised. It's a bit chalky out, out in these streets. Uh, next fight, um, I'm not actually taking chalk, although I don't blame any of y'all for it. I expect this fight will draw probably the most action. It'll For hardcores to betters alike, this is going to be the fight of the night here, right? Dusko Todorovic, minus 155. Punaheli Soriano, plus 135. Um, I don't know Puna personally, but yes, you can say the Hawaiian bias, extreme couture bias, or more honestly, it's really the Eric Nixick bias, right? Eric will be in his corner there. Um... That being said, I mean, something I've been saying since back when I cashed and picked, you know, Rick Story to, to beat Tiago Alves is like a plus 275 dog. Durable southpaws who can wrestle are some of my favorite underdog archetypes. And for good obvious reason. Um, that is Puna. Uh, he looks like he can gas because he's wild. He's got that stereotype, right? Uh, however, he was able to push through um, despite the wild pressure cooker. Uh, that can be the contender series that gets guys to gas uncharacteristically, plus the short notices and whatnot that tend to happen with how those shows are put together. Uh, and he claims in his wrestling days, Puna, that he preferred it when fights went long. Uh, he felt like he got better. Um, and even though he technically, even though it wasn't the most impressive because both guys were, you know, it, part of that was Pickett, the fight that he brought and made Puna fight, got sloppy, but he did, he did tough it out, right? Whereas... Todorovic, it's funny because he's got the experience edge here. He's the deserved favorite. I'm a big Todorovic fan, by the way. I don't blame anybody for picking him or even playing him here. Uh, I don't think anybody should, you know, we'll get to how I think the plays break down here. Um, but I just want to state my bias so no one thinks that I'm, like, telling you to follow me off a cliff or anything because 
I'm only sprinkling light on the dog here. I don't blame anybody for playing Todorovic. He is the deserved favorite. He's going to have, uh, he's more active as of late. He's already fought on Fight Island and traveled, right? Uh, so, um, <clears throat> Uh, so he's gotten that out of his, his system. We'll have the, the edge there. The bigger cage will definitely help Todorovic from a stylistic standpoint. Um, he likes movement. However, the one thing I, I don't like about Todorovic, which is weird, it's like I want to give him credit for this for being because he's a smart guy. And boxing and clinch, you know, that's my shit, you know, uh, Randy Couture style. Um, but it's just weird that like a black belt in Taekwondo and a black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu with Todorovic is... He fights complete opposite. He fights boxing, and then he fights clinch against the cage, right? Uh, not using the kicks, not using the jiu-jitsu, which is fine. I love that style better. But I'm just saying it's kind of weird. And he actually does have some, like, Serbian wrestling creds, but it's always hard to tell what that means, right, um, as far as that goes, because even though his, t his top game is really good, his mat wrestling is really good, his takedown game hasn't really impressed me. Um, both takedowns that he's I've seen him fail and complete. He's done it with like really odd and broken postures. Um, that just looks like and against guys that aren't that great. And he's built off his game to his credit as far as his high underhook and good head position. He also had good fundamentals. I was just like, you know, okay, fine, box instead of kick, whatever works for you, dude. But like, why are you crowding your work and always crowding into the clinch when you don't need to? And he kept doing that in his contender series fight, and it was really odd. And I've seen him do that in other fights before, and he's kind of done it a little bit since, even though he'll just, you forget about it, because once the kid turns up, up and on, you just see this natural ability, this flow that's so freaking fun to watch, right? I love Todorovic. Like, I love both these guys. I give them both uh, very high grades. I believe a, you know, um, A's are, if not close to it, for their contender series grades, okay? Um, but I do wonder, like, okay, so now what's going to happen when you you know size up with a a much more physical middleweight because like he also doesn't face like the he's not the biggest middleweight he, i think he's like an inch taller than soriano where he's six one like Todorovic looks like he's generously listed at, at six foot five he looks like he's more five eleven and like probably more toward gun to the head more toward the five ten mark than the six foot mark yet he's listed at six one i don't know about that Maybe it's because of his, like, weird, like, head. His kind of big, baby face, young head. He's got this weird, like, it's kind of like a giant baby in there. Um, which is, uh, you know, I, I, I get get why people compared him with the, to Fedor. He certainly has the belief in himself. He certainly has a specialty in his style. I think the kid has a high ceiling. Again, you're not crazy for supporting this kid here. Um, but these there are certain things like that that I do worry about as far as, like, playing against the cage. Now you're going to do it with not just a bigger guy. But, like, one of your first opponents with, like, an actual legit wrestling base. I know when he fought Michelle Pajeda and knocked him out, even though Michelle Pajeda didn't use it as much then or in that fight, uh, Pajeda does have an underrated regional wrestling, Brazilian wrestling thing. But, again, kind of like the Serbian thing. Like, what does that really mean, right? You know what I'm saying? Um, and it's not really the heart of either of those guys' games uh, either. So um, now he's going to go against, you know, a division three wrestler uh granted division three division two yeah be careful when you say these things because like i just did that top 10 article for bellator guys and it's loaded with division two guys and i remember that was a big talking point i think woodley was saying it and the, you got the gen pop saying it like going ah Usman was division two we can't even hold my jock strap i was division one all american big 10 da 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 right and that it, it, it doesn't always translate. It's, it, it's MMA, you know. It's how your style translates to MMA, who you are, right? There's so many other intangibles than just 
reading off a dang resume. So you got to be careful when you judge those things. He also went to the same, his Wartburg College. It was a competitive school uh, where he got All-American uh, honors, I believe, by his senior year and was like a top 10 ranked in NCAA for his division. So, you know, in, in Iowa over there. So he was wrestling on the mainland, folks, okay? And then also something I didn't realize until I re- reviewed his profile this week is the dude's uh, brown belt in, Bra- uh, not Bra- in, j- in judo. And it's not just something that maybe, well, maybe he did it as a kid. Like, no, he legit brown belt in judo. Like, you go watch that Jamie Pickett fight. Um, and he hits this sweet foot sweep, uh, this real quick foot sweep. And then when Jamie Pickett goes to rebalance himself and stand back up, he times a beautiful head kick that just barely misses. Um, my man Dan Levy compared him to Vitor Belfort. And, like, yeah, he almost, like, imitated uh, Vitor Hendo, too, except the finish, except... He had a sweet foot sweep in there. Um, and, uh, of course, the guy's southpaw. He's got that left-handed bomb. And something that was really worrisome, like, you know, we saw him level that left shrimp, uh, uh, Oscar Piotta, um, with it. And that same shot, like, I've seen Dusko hit with it a couple times, even by Teddy Ash, who, you know, was that contender series fight, who's like an orthodox, you know, orthodox fighter. Um, but like one of the few times he shifted southpaw, like he just leveled him against the cage. It was like the same exact. It's like they were imitating Puna and Oscar, and I was like, I can't ignore that, man. I know I, I always want to counter my biases, right? Kind of maybe what I did a bit in the main event as well, even though I I like both guys. Um, but I'm like, no, I can't. I can't go against what my eyes are seeing. Um, so I ended up going with Puna here. Now, I, I again, I sprinkled very light because I'm not super confident in it. I absolutely think Todorovic is a high ceiling. He deserves to be the favorite. Would not be surprised if he pulls through. However, um, even though Todorovic's low hands worry me, he does seem durable for his part. He rolls with punches very well. Uh, and, of course, Puna, obviously being, you know, as those Hawaiians tend to be, especially early in the career, very, very durable. So for me, I feel like... Um, if it depends. If you're playing the chalk here, I actually feel like you should stay with that that money line, um, and stay away from the over. But if you um, if you are taking a shot on the dog like me here on Soriano, I feel like coupling the over wouldn't be bad because a uh. You could double your money if, you know, Todorovic is as durable as I think he is, right? And let's say Puna maybe finishes after the one-and-a-half mark in, in round two. He still he still looks to have enough power to get finishes in round two. And again, Puna has proven that he can win decisions. He, uh, You know, uh, so maybe you double dip. Or I get it as a hedge before Todorovic because even if Todorovic is able to finish Puna, uh, I feel like Puna is at least durable enough to survive a round and a half, right? And then you look at even Dorovich will kind of crowd and interrupt his own work sometimes. As beautiful as his killer instinct it can be in many other instances, he he's not beyond crowding his own work too, right? And it's the bigger cage, um, so that could prolong space between ex- exchanges, etc. So I feel like that over 1.5... Minus 170, minus 166. It got bet up a lot since minus 125 or minus 135 that I got it at. Uh, however, it's still it's still you know a, a decent point of entry if you're considering you know 
Todorovic is like sitting not much cheaper, minus one fifty five or minus one fifty, you know. Um, and I expect that line actually to get higher. I expect more money to go into Todorovic as we get closer to fight time. So, again, that over. If you're looking to hedge with a the dog, there ain't ain't bad to look at. Otherwise, good luck if you're playing Todorovic. All right, next fight, Phil Hogs. <laughs> Phil Hogs. I mean, <laughs> Phil Hogs. Let's be honest. Uh, minus two sixty, and uh, we got. We got, ooh, easy fighting. I just lost it. Na, uh, Nazardine uh, Imavov, uh, plus 110. Um, I like Haas here. I went back to watch Imavov stuff. And, uh, yeah, he's really talented. I, I like the Cyril Gaon comparison on the feet. He really likes that pull right hand. He's got a nice uppercut, too. He's like ice guys down on the regional scene. That could come in handy against a level-changing opponent like Haas. Um, and the guy's got some nice front chokes as well, which will come in handy uh, and you're getting plus money on Imovov, so I wouldn't worry about props. But, like, you know, I, I think Sub could be lively here because if he does rock Haas, I think Haas shoots into a guillotine. The guy, you know, um, that being said, Imovov, not impressed with his wrestling. I know he's a Dagestani guy, but he's um, a longtime Frenchman. You can hear it in his voice. Uh, not hating on France. I'm just saying, like, it's not like a dude is, like, raised in the Caucasus. Forged by iron, uh, you know it's, um, you know this guy's an MMA factory guy, hence the Cyril Gon comparison, um, in the open, uh, that I said, um, so uh, I I don't know if he's gonna out wrestle Hawes. Hawes looks like a, you know, especially early for the first round and a half. After that, um, Hawes looks like he could tire, uh, and lose composure, etc. Um, so the later it goes, you know, you gotta like Imovov there, um. I actually went opposite here. I took a shot on the under, um, which you can still get for plus money, I believe. Let me see here. I think it's like plus 105. It's not like the biggest thing. But like, was it? Yeah, plus 105, plus 110, depending on what you're looking at. Because um, I'm picking Haas here. I think he gets it done early. Um, I think he can, you know, it's just, Ilovov, he's been rocked before. And, you know, I know it was a headbutt that he got hit early in with a, a clash of heads. But, like, and he was eventually able to win out exchanges in the clinch. But just seeing an undersized guy who has, like, not very, you know, wrestling, let's just say, to put it kindly, is his weakest link, clearly, in Jordan Williams, um, the underweight diabetic dude who, no hate, by the way, I'm just saying, like, that dude's able to, to, to shove you to the fence whenever he wants. And, like, that's not good. Um, I don't think he's going to be able to reverse uh, Haw as, as, as easily there. Um, Haw is also training with really good guys. I really like that move down there to um, South Florida. Uh, he seems to really found his groove there. He seems really focused. Um, you know, there's really scary knockouts he took by my, my dude Julian Marquez there, of course, right? Um, I would not be surprised to see more of those. You know, when he gets beat, he looks like a guy that's going to get beat bad, right? Uh, that being said, I also believe that even though he's not going to be beyond the home, you know, won't be the last we see of Hawes getting, you know, um, wiped out. Uh, I do believe that he, whether or not he will fulfill the high ceiling that was unfairly put upon him, uh, I do believe that his head's in the right place and that uh, he might be like one of those cases where they suffer those bad losses early and really do come back and build off it. So we'll see. It's middleweight. Uh, Imavov is only like 25 years old. He just turned 25. He's still a young kid too, man. Whereas Haas, 32, 
you know, he's really took the lumps in and out of the cage, in and out of MMA. He's got the experience, um, been gaining that experience, you know, the hard way as well. Um, so, yeah, I, I like Haas here. And it kind of feels like double dipping um, by hitting the under. I feel like if, you, you know, you're on Imovov and you're taking that plus money, you know, uh, maybe it's more better for you to look at the under here because then if Haas ices him quick, you'll at least cash some plus money. Um, whereas me, I'm being very dangerous. I feel like I could be, you know, it's a little bit dangerous considering I'm coupling and it's not, in a there's not a lot of hedging spirit there, right? Because it's not the over, but I, I do believe that, um, because he comes out of the gate so hot, uh, and Imovov style of that invisible pressure that makes guys kind of nervous because he's he, he's flashing. He, they know they have the counters ready, or when he's doing his prodding stuff. Um, I know a lot of it has been his dance partners, granted, but the way you look at the way these guys match up, I think you get a high pace fight, and that's going to force mistakes. Either Hogs is going Hogs is going to succeed succeed, uh, or um, he's going to gas himself out and then shoot into a submission, or get rocked and then shoot into a submission. That's my read on this fight. So I sprinkled a bit on Haas at the chalk and then took a little bit of the plus money under. We'll see how I end up there. Either going to be really good or really bad. Um, this next one's on the avoid list because I didn't I didn't tape it. Wu Yanan, who opened it as a bigger favorite, money came in on Jocelyn Edwards, um, who fights from out of South America, I think. Uh, I'm not sure. I didn't tape that one. So I will skip it. Um, I didn't tape this one admittedly, but I am taking Carlos Philippe. I'm not surprised to see Carlos Philippe minus 190 opposite Justin Taffa, plus 165. Taffa looks like a uh, typical like tough chin, knock you out. Knockouts is only way to victory, which is true. However, uh, I don't like that he can be knocked out so easily. Not so easily. It was arguably the perfect shot, but um, yeah. Uh, Philippe's confidence is, uh, you know, Fat Man Diaz impression. I'll take some Carlos Philippe there. I didn't take some Carlos Philippe as a bet. I didn't bet anything on that fight. Probably won't. But, uh, yeah, I'll take Carlos Philippe there. Next fight, Ramazan Ameev, minus 260. David Zavada, plus 220. I did end up taking Ameev. I was a little scared because, A, Ameev, even though I've always been a fan of his, he's his underwhelming style, granted, so I, I shouldn't be surprised. But even with that, he's still been underwhelming. Um, he fights very close. He doesn't really go for the finish, hence he will be in close fights. Uh, or closer fights than he should be compared to the price tag and expectations of him, right? So that can be off-putting and make you look like for, look for the dog in general. Then you added the fact that David Zavada is actually super underrated. Not just saying that because of his last victory, but yes, add in his last victory over Abubakar Nurmagomedov, Khabib Nurmagomedov's uh, cousin. Then yeah, but however, Abubakar is like it's not super consistent. He's had impressive stuff when you go back and watch his WSOS stuff. Uh, and you know what? Even though he was really devastated and looks to be devastated, hasn't even booked a fight since then, looked crushed after getting submitted, it was actually a really nice submission from David Zavada. It was almost like some brief corner lock work, how he went for the armbar into the triangle. Um, and it was kind of like the perfect submission, um, giving credit and taking no credit from Zavada, but it was the perfect submission. Um, I don't think Lightning can strike twice so much. Uh, you know... Shouts to Ali Baggins, Ali Bagoff, the only person to submit Amiv back like 12 years ago. But aside from that one submission lost 12 years ago to an actual legit guy when they were young in their careers, um, 
yeah, the the multiple time combat Samba world champion Ameev's pretty good, man. Uh, I like his takedowns. Uh, he will give a bit of guillotines, so you know, but he has really confident defense in there. But like as far as his head and arm position and stuff like that, hands on the mat, like he's not doing that stuff too badly. Uh, I like his positioning there. I think he can grind if he needs to. And his striking is pretty good, too. Um, it's just that he's heavy on his lead foot, which is why he's open to leg kicks. So that's what I looked for with Zavada. And Zavada, it's funny, he's got really good stand-up. I think his knees are going to be super live here. But Zavada doesn't throw a lot of leg kicks because of his stance. He is even more front leg heavy than Amiv is, which means he's launching really fast punches and will shift with his offense really well. Um and then he'll shift into kicks or throw knees. But because of that, he's not really setting up or starting off with like leg kicks or those kind of range finders because he's so front foot heavy, hands first oriented. That is David Zavada. Um, so I, that's a good sign if you're a Meeve supporter. Does that mean that Meeve's going to win? No, but I'm going to be betting on him to win because I don't see enough leg kick uh, coming through. And when it comes to the punches, pull counters, Coming forward, Amiv's deceptive there. He's able to really mark up guys more, more and more consistently. And, um, you know, uh, Zavada can be hit, man, and he, he can be hurt as well. So I wouldn't even be surprised to actually see Amiv hurt him on the feet. Now, Amiv's not a swarmer. Sadly, he won't go for the finish, so you'll maybe, probably be getting pissed. You'll be a bit bored. You'll be like, why are you fighting so close? However, I, I do think Amiv will ultimately win. So um, I paired him with... Joaquin Buckley for some not-so-sexy chalk. And I've got kind of this three-way menage en trois of two-way pairs and pairing all three together, which I'll get to in the next fight, which is Sarah Morass. Morass, Dan, stop saying it that way. Morass, minus 220 versus Vanessa Mello, plus 180. I mean, wow, I really need to apologize for Mello. She really should have got some honorable mentions on the podcast I did with uh, Ben Cohn for top five thick fighters. I mean, those legs, Jesus. Uh... All due respect, uh, she looks to only be working on the same stuff between boxing and Muay Thai gyms is the only thing on her Instagram since. Uh, that is her specialties. Um, she has literally no takedown defense. And not only that, does not really put up a fight, both in the clinch against the cage and in the open. She'll immediately like close up her guard, which to me is just seceding position, as if she didn't already just secede position. She doesn't use the cage to get back up. Um, doesn't have any urgency in those positions. Um, and even though she could outpoint Sarah Morass on a perfect evening, uh, it's hard to imagine Sarah not actually like taking advantage on like the one matchup where she actually has the wrestling advantage. Because even though Sarah can make hay from both top and bottom, um, it's not her jiu-jitsu, her MMA, or her MMA jiu-jitsu that's lacking. It's actually quite good and... and you could argue doesn't get the credit, but the reason why it doesn't get the credit is because it's missing the connective tissue of wrestling, right? Uh, that's definitely the criticism you can lobby towards Sarah Moore. Uh, you know, and, and, and that's why even, you know, fights where she's being competitive and more competitive than the odds or many people thought she would be against Sajara Eubank, she was. But, of course, Sajara smartly with her corner who called for takedowns were able to hit those takedowns. Um, and, uh, and yeah, oh, hey, Brownie, Brownie's in here. Um, so she'll have Dennis Davis in her corner again, though, who, of course, I'm a little bit biased here, so admit that bias, uh, the Piranha, uh, who is another unsung hero over there at Extreme Couture. Um, I know I gave love to my man Eric Nixick, but don't forget about Dennis Davis. Taught me my first triangle escape, taught Eric Nixick some of his first stuff as well. Dennis Davis is an OG, fought uh, you know guys like Nick Diaz back in the day. 
Um, comes from that Pacific Northwest scene, right? The Team Quest guys. Uh, and really has worked with Sarah uh, on getting with her kickboxing. Now, Sarah seems kind of like the 500 fighter as her record would seem anyways. But you look at that really rough stretch. She was jumping camps. And I believe this is going to be her third camp with Extreme Couture or so. So she's really been feeling her stride. I mean, again, even in her last fight where she did better than you thought. And by the way, that was the Jacksonville stretch of pandemic fights. I mean, any fights that took stretch in that, you know, Jacksonville stretch, you got some of the most inconsistent sample sizes as far as training camps. You know what I'm saying? Be very careful how you judge fighters. Um, and... Sarah, but Sarah's been looking really good, and her, her her striking has really come along, and that's what she's going to need for this fight. And if she's got a, she can take it to the ground or submit this girl if Vanette Mello, for whatever reason, decides to take it to the ground like her corners always call for, and she never listens to her corner, um, she'll be in trouble. I think she'll fall into a, a, a morass armbar. So I really like Sarah here, which is really strange because I was off put. Like, and I like Sarah and Dennis obviously, but you know I'm trying to be objective here, and I see a minus over two to one favorite Sarah Morass. Like, what's going on here? And but when I, you know, get to the bottom of this and research this fight as I did, I'm like, yeah, no, I, I actually agree with that. So um, whether you like Buckley and not Ameev, or you like Ameev and like don't like Buckley, well, substitute a Sarah Morass in there, and you get uh, really close to even odds uh, at least to kind of get your your money back for whatever you want to d- dive in as far as your chalk. And that's only two legs, not bad. Um, I did a little bit of mixing and matching with uh, all those three key parlay pieces and even parlayed all three together, which I get, think gets you like plus 354 or something like that. So um, good luck to them. All right, lastly but not leastly, Austin Lingo minus 220, Jacob Kilburn plus 180. I uh, was looking at Lingo to be in that mix of parlay favorites, but I ended up pulling away. Uh, I'm going to pick Lingo, but I'm not confident in it. So many unknowns. You can't even tell what's going on in his Instagram. He's been inactive. Um, I know Safe and a lot of the coaching staff, whatever, they got hit with the COVID right recently because that Neil fight was the last card we had. Uh, he's a Fortis guy. Uh, I'm rooting for them. I love Fortis. I'm going to pick Lingo, root for them to do well here. But Kilburn, even though he looked terrible in his UFC fights, the dude has have some stupid power. Um, but Lingo should actually have the wrestling advantage here, uh, whereas that's... Kilburn's definitely his weakest link, so I'm going to go with Lingo for a fight that I expect to be ugly and only get uglier as it goes on, um, and I avoided it, to be honest. All right, how did we do on time? Ooh, one hour. Well, it wasn't an expedited edition, so I didn't fail there. All right, recapping, starting from the top, taking Max Holloway over Calvin Cater, taking Carlos Condit over Matt Brown, Matt Brown. Taking Santiago Ponzinibbio, Argentine dagger, over Li Jing Lang. Ah, I didn't say the R word this time around, Dan. Uh, Joaquin Buck taking Joaquin Buckley over Alessio uh, Di Chirico. Taking Punaheli Soriano over Dusko Todorovic. Taking Phil Hoggs <laughs> over Nestor Dean Imovov. Taking Wu Yanan over. Jocelyn Edwards taking Carlos Philippe over Justin Taffa, taking Ramzan Amiv over David Zavada, taking Sarah Moraz over Vanessa Mello, taking Austin Lingo over Jacob Kilburn. Uh, a little parlay menage en trois with Buckley, Moraz, and Amiv. You can combine, yeah, have some fun there. Uh, straight plays, sprinkled a bit on Haas at minus 129, sprinkled a bit on Puna, plus 135. 
A uh, couple of those did also for props to help those straight plays. A little bit on the Haas Imovov under plus 105 to hopefully increase the winnings or maybe hedge an upset. As well as Soriano Todorovic over 1.5. I think both guys are durable enough as some hedgy chalk there. Um, currently listed in the minus 166 range. All right, folks, that'll do it for me. Oh, on the avoid list, Brown Condit, Wu Edwards, and uh, Lingo Kilburn. All right, thanks, guys. It's good to be back. I'm going to be hitting you with episodes. We're going to do Monday night for Wednesday's show, which is Magni and Kiesa. And then I will record again on Thursday for Saturday's show, which, of course, is uh, McGregor and Poirier. So good luck on your picks and plays. And uh, until next time, protect me.